Welcome back for another episode of Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to supply you with your weekly dose of boxing talk. My name is Wilton Henry. My name is Daniel Lee. And my name is LaBelle Jackson. Fellas, we uh, took a week off last week. Um, you know, there's been a lot of interesting things that have happened since we uh, didn't record last week. Anything that you want to talk about before we get started with this episode? No, I don't think I have anything. I mean, y'all don't have anything as far as like the insurrection or anything like that. You just want to get off into this boxing talk? <laughs> uh, that's a whole nother conversation because that is crazy. And, you know, um, I just find it odd that there was not a lot of protection there as someone who, you know, been in government buildings, worked in government buildings, uh, inner places that have clearances. It's crazy that something like that would be allowed. Like, cause I can't just walk up anywhere like that. And in the way that that, that happened and not get shot or killed, um, especially considering that, you know, uh, years ago, I don't know if anyone remembers, there was a, a young lady who had a panic attack um, and had her one-year-old baby in a car and sped past, you know, the Capitol. Um, and the, the the police responded and, and you know, shot the, uh, shot the car about, I think they shot off 13 bullets and, you know, ultimately killed the woman. Uh, the, the one-year-old survived, but they killed the woman. So it's, it's odd that they would allow someone to actually enter into, like, that same building, like, not just you know, reach the perimeter of that building, but enter the building and enter the main, uh, a lot of main rooms or sanctuaries, what have you, of that of that building, which um, if you've ever been inside any government building, the first thing that you would learn, they have things there that you sh the public shouldn't have access to. So, you know, it's a crazy situation. It's just, uh, just nuts. And, I'll probably stay out of the way on inauguration day. Yeah, you know, like for me, just looking at that, a couple of things that come to mind, you know, as you say, like some of those buildings, that's the first thing that you would get a sense of is how well they're protected. So it just reinforces to me how in our country that we basically have two Americas because of if you saw just comparing that incident to what happened with the Black Lives Matter protests, and, you know, they were getting hit with rubber bullets, tear gas, you know, the whole nine yards. And it was just like a overwhelming force of the military there. And it's like, you know, with this incident, because Trump was actually promoting this for a long time, like through tweets um, and speeches. You know, he kept saying January 6th that they were going to have this protest. So how are you getting caught off guard when you knew what was going to happen? Because he's promoting it like he got a CD coming out. You know what I'm saying? So. And it just lets me know that we have, like I said, it's just reinforced that we have two Americas. Um, and the other thing is sometimes I listen and watch MSNBC, I watch CNN, sometimes I even watch Fox. But what surprises me is that people are surprised. You know what I mean? It's like some people are like, this is not the America. Um, this is not the United States. Not in the United States. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, like, this is the same country that where we had slavery for like 300 years. We had... Jim Crow for 
um, like a hundred years. You know, you had mass incarceration, you had bombing of Black Wall Street, Tuskegee Institute, you got reconstruction, segregation, lynching, police brutality, you got war on drugs, you got prison industrial. I mean, the list goes on and on. So this is just another chapter in that book to me. But don't want to make this into a political type. I would just I, I would say, I would yeah, say I'm you, you, you have your, your speaking piece. Then I just want to bring this up because, you know, we are human. You know what I mean? It's not like the elephant in the room and we're not going to talk about things that are that important, you know. So I just wanted to give you kind of an opportunity to touch on that. No doubt. And I would just add, because you guys said that beautifully, only thing I would add is I'm just curious as to what the end game is. You know, like what did what did they expect to happen from that? Like, were you gonna do physical harm to congressmen? Were you gonna delay an inevitable decision? What I, I'm just curious as to what the end right. game is from all of this. Well, that's called uh, well that that's privilege, you know, to believe that they they believe that. This that they can that this can happen and there won't be any consequences versus, you know, as a, you know, a person of color in America, we know something can happen if we do such a thing. <laughs> and, and yeah, of course, this is America. This has been America. This stuff has been going on for, for for forever. You know, um, and it's crazy how people think that you know this is. Uh, a product of the media or or something that that's only been created within the you know the last ten years or what have you. This all has always been going on. It's just that now you can see it on video, you can see it on social media. People always felt this way, no matter what side you're on. People always felt this way. It was that we didn't know because there was no Facebook, there was no YouTube, there was none of this stuff that people can. People kept all this stuff in their heads, <laughs> not letting it out, and that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I just think, like, to me, as far as the, the words like white privilege, I just think that's a byproduct of white supremacy. I think we have a system that is put in place that favors one group of people over other groups of people. And like I said, that's a byproduct of it, that that group is more privileged than other groups. I mean, you got situations like Bill You know what I mean? Like, they sit up there and take the man to, he killed all those people in that church. And then they stopped and got him some food on the way to take him into jail. You know, you have people like Sandra Bland, you don't get that opportunity to even, you know, do any of that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm gonna get one quick story and then we'll get off into our um, information for this week that we want to discuss. About three weeks ago, I went to Walmart in Northern Virginia. I go to the store. I'm a, I get my items that I, I picked up. I'm about 20 steps away from the register. As I'm approaching the register, there's a, this white guy, probably about 6'2", maybe about 220, has a trench, blue trench coat on. Um, I say maybe late 50s, early 60s, something like that. So the police, there were four police, they were coming to swarm towards him, and there was something about him stealing, and they were going to apprehend him. So as they were approaching him, you know, they were approaching him in an aggressive, quick manner. As they're approaching him, he says, it's a, it's a uh, McDonald's um, directly ahead. Before you leave out of the store or into the store, it's a McDonald's there. Route one. So he tells them, he said, well, if you're going to arrest me, 
if you put me in a McDonald's and let me get a cheeseburger, he said, I want cheeseburger. I don't like pickles. And he was telling them what he was going to get on the burger. And he's saying it's really loud and direct to them. So as he's talking to them about what he's going to order off of the McDonald's menu, they back off. And by the time they finish backing off, it's like the head police officer was telling another police officer to go and find out more information. And so he's just still talking crazy. I'm thinking, as he's talking crazy, I'm like, oh, they finna, um, they finna handle Buddy kind of rough. Because anytime we do something and we talking like that to a police officer, we on the ground, got knees in our back, we got billy clubs hitting us, none of that. It was total opposite. So to me, saying all that to say, when I saw what happened on January 6th, I wasn't surprised at all. You know what I'm saying? Because of that privilege that they end up getting. And it's like they don't want they're going to exhaust every option before they do something to one of them. But for us, it's like they're going to already be, you know, in a situation where they are ready to gun you down. You know what I mean? You don't even get that type of, um, you know, same, you know, ordeal with us. It's just totally opposite. But I'm going to leave it at that because, you know, this is the introduction. and um, We want to make sure that we get off into the topics that we want to discuss this week. And two things for this particular episode that we're going to discuss. One, we're going to talk about some of our favorite fighters. And then also that lightweight division is heating up. And so we got four um, of those top young guns, and we're going to make predictions on the potential matchups that can actually happen in the lightweight division. So with that being said, um, I just want to start off as far as our boxing conversation. What are some of you guys... Uh, who are some of you guys' favorite fighters that are out currently? Well, um, it's interesting. I have to think about this and think about why uh, these guys are my favorite fighters. Um, first is, is Canelo Alvarez. I, I put him on my list. I've been. It's interesting because I've been a Canelo distractor for, for a while. I, I used to always. I like him, but I always kind of be critical of him, you know, hold some things against him and think, oh, he has, you know, bad stamina or what have you, or look at his deficiencies. But this is this is a guy who's consistently uh, proved himself. He's improved, um, definitely. Um, another guy on the list is Manny, one of my favorite fighters, Manny Pacquiao. He's always been a favorite of mine uh, ever since uh, he beat and Marco Antonio Barrera. Um, that was one of the fights I witnessed as it happened on television, and, and you know it was interesting to to watch. Uh, another guy on my list is uh, Caleb Plant, up and coming guy. Uh, beautiful to watch. Has a, a lot of boxing ability. Um, he does so many things well. You know, some might not think he's exciting because he may not have the power that they're looking for, but uh, I, I just appreciate the skill for a, for an up and coming guy. Um, Devin Haney is another one. Um, I always uh, been high on him uh, for for even before he came into prominence. I mean, very skilled. He wants it. He trains hard. Uh, he always shows up. Um, he makes he makes the most the most of his skill. Um, and then there's Terrence Crawford, who I've seen, you know, uh, start off from when he fought uh, Bredis Prescott. You know, I was like, who is this guy? He wasn't one of those guys who were who had like 
you know, everything handed to him in the beginning. It, it was not. He was a, you know, a nobody who showed up on HBO and he uh, made the most of his opportunity and became what he was. Um, now the, the, the only commonality between all these fighters, you know, because they're different types of fighters, is I, one of the things I look at when I assess fighters is uh, how they are outside the ring. And all, every one of these guys train outside the ring. They don't just fight and then, you know, when it's downtime, they sit and, you know, gain weight or do whatever. Um, they, they tend to stay in shape, you know, when they're not fighting. Because I have a, a particular favoritism towards that. Um, because I look at boxing kind of like a martial artist. Now, if you see a martial artist who doesn't train or he's always out of shape, I mean, do you, how good of a martial artist is he? And that's why, um, as much as I used to dislike his personality, I love Floyd Mayweather for this because he treats boxing like a martial art. He lives, you know, he doesn't just do it as a job. Uh, so those are my favorite, current favorite fighters right now. Yeah. When I thought about that as you were talking, I jotted down a couple other names and I ended up with 11 fighters all together. I'm not going to give you like a whole bunch of details about why they're my favorite fighters, but some of them I will. Um, you know, give a little bit more information about Chris Col Chris Colbert um, is one of my favorite fighters now. And I, the first time I saw him fight was that Arboleta fight that he had um, just recently. But I just like what he brings to the table. Seems like a guy who wants to fight with the best fighters. He has a lot of swag about himself, and he's an entertainer. So I, I like Chris Colbert. Errol Spence is one of my favorite, and it's no particular order with this. It's just people that came to mind. Errol Spence, just like his name suggests, he's the troop. You know what I mean? Like he appears to be somebody who wants to fight the best. He's got a pretty good resume. Um, and like I said, with him, if you give him the mantle of being like the pound for pound fighter, I think he would he would actually do what a number one pound for pound fighter is supposed to do. He'll seek out the best opposition. I love um, the Bronx Bomber, um, Deontay Wilder. He's one of my favorite fighters. It hurt me to see him lose against Tyson Fury, but I like what he stands for as a man. You understand what I'm saying? You know how you have fighters now who fight on days like Cinco de Mayo and stuff like that, where it's like, nah, I want to fight on Juneteenth because that's the day that I'm proud of and that's the day for my people. And some of the things that he talks about specifically, I know he is a person who is a woke person. You know what I mean? He does what he, he can for his people. He puts black people first. So I love that about him. As a matter of fact, he's my favorite fighter out of all of these guys, just for that reason. Love Devin Haney. I like Devin Haney because of the fact that Devin Haney, he appears to be one of those guys who wants to fight the best. And they kind of blocking him um, from being able to fight some of the better fighters, whether it's promotional or whatever. But I like what he stands for. I like um, my main man, Canelo. Canelo put, put in the work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What can you say about that resume? It seems like every episode I'm talking about the work that he put in as far as Laura, Cotto, Triple G, all of that type of stuff. So he deserves to be where he is. I like Arthur Benavia. I just like how he punishes people, um, the way he fights in that, um, that. It's kind of like a box where he fights, but he's really a punishing, mean fighter. So I respect what he brings to the table. Jamil Charlo, both Charlos, really. And again, most of the guys that you see on my list is because of that eagerness to fight the best fighters. They want smoke. And so if you do that type of fighter, then you know I'm going to always root for you because you're going to do what's in the best interest of the sport. Daniel Jacobs. I love Daniel Jacobs. I, when he fights, you know what I mean? It's like 
don't feel like I've been in a fight myself because I, I really be wanting to see um, Daniel Jacobs do well because I just like what he stands for as well. He's he's very sophisticated. Um, he says the right thing. He won't disappoint you, and he's somebody who's inspirational as well. So I, I love um, Daniel Jacobs. Um, Boots Ennis, I like what he brings to the table. Actually, the first time I seen him fight, like a live fight, was the last fight that he had. And I just want to see more of him. But as far as his skill and style and everything, he's uh, A1. Uh, Rigo, love Rigo. I hate how they did Rigo. I hate how they did Ortiz. You know what I mean? Like they wait till these guys get like 78 years old before they want to fight them. And then they make them go through all of these hoops and all of this type of stuff before they're willing to get in the ring with them. And it's a shame what Frank can do for them. It's a shame what. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz did to him because that would have put Rigo in a better position and a better light in terms of where he would be in his career. Um, and my last favorite fighter is Ryan Garcia. I, I kid you not. Like, I love that kid, man. I, I like he has that hunger to be the best. He's a star in the making. You know, when he got knocked down, I was, I, it was painful to me to see him, you know, getting put on a deck like that against um, Luke Campbell. But I like him because he has the spotlight on him and he says and does the right thing in terms of trying to take on challenges. He it's nowhere in the world right now that he should be like seeking out Tank. <laughs> Tank is a very like um dangerous fight for somebody like that, where he could easily just pick and choose. Like if anybody could pick and choose who they want to fight, it's him. And he can take some. Very light touches. Give me Tevin Farmer. Give me this person just to make sure that he continues to make the money that he's going to make. But he's doing the right thing in the sport, and he's an inspiration to other guys. Ryan Garcia is one of them people that you would see somewhere that you wouldn't even expect a fighter to be. But he's just – and people may not even know he's a fighter. It's just they, he's that popular where they are glued to um, whatever it is that he's doing. And then it's like you will ask somebody about Ryan Garcia – and they'll say, oh, you talking about the guy who's on YouTube or the guy who's on um, social media? You're like, no, you got to fight today. <laughs> and they don't even know, but he promotes himself that well where, and he's always um, doing things that is going to draw attention and, and eyes are going to be on him. But the fact that he wants to fight the best, he wants all the smoke, that's the reason why he's, my, he's one of my top favorite fighters as well. Yeah, a few... A few honorable mentions I would give. Some of the guys you said already. Um, I would say Sean Porter. He does have a pretty style, but you know his resume is impressive. He's never really ducked competition. Just a hard-nosed guy, a fighter's fighter. Um, also, uh, Daniel Jacobs. You know he he's a miracle man. He came back from from cancer. And became a world-class fighter once again. So, you know, what he stands for is commendable. Uh, Triple G, I, I just enjoy his fighting style. He's kind of a terminator. Has a granite chin. Errol Spence Jr., for reasons you've already said. Terrence Crawford, he's also, he has that killer instinct. He can switch up on you, go southpaw, go orthodox. Knock you out in either. Uh, so I appreciate that about them. Um... I would also say Canelo, just like you guys. I mean, what's not to like? He's a super middleweight who who hits like a heavyweight, spars heavyweights. Uh, he has an advanced skill level. He's kind of growing up right before our very eyes. Massive, massive body shots, massive feints, uh, top tier head movement. And he'll fight anybody, basically anybody between 160 and 175 right now. Um, 
you know, it's, it's kind of a fair game for him for the most part. I would also shout out Tyson Fury. Um, you know, he dethroned Klitschko in 2015. You would think he would be on the top of the world, but, you know, he he struggled with mental health issues. Um, you know, he he had a type of bipolar disorder that he was diagnosed with, uh, manic depression. He was suicidal, ballooned up to 400 pounds. He got stripped of his belts. And when he took the Wilder fight, he was just getting back, starting to get back down to his fighting weight. And people forget how fear Wilder was when Fury took that fight. Um, and, you know, he came back the way he did. And so ironically, you know, for someone who was suffering mental health issues, he's one of the most mentally tough fighters in the game to me. And I would also say Teofimo Lopez. I originally took his confidence as arrogance. And maybe it is. Uh, I thought he called out Loma too soon. But uh, not only did he pay his dues to get that shot, but he delivered on it. He he called it. He told us what he was going to do, him and his father. And then he went out and did it. And um, out of the young crop of, of fighters at, at Lightweight that we're going to discuss, he was the first one to really want that smoke and to really go for it. So speaking of that crop of fighters, we're going to get into our our hypothetical matchup, some of which could actually come into fruition. First one we'll discuss is Ryan Garcia versus Javante Davis, the fight that they seem to want and that the boxing public seems to want as well to some extent. I think How the first thing that game? I'm going to do is let's let's set the plate in terms of the guys um, kind of like their records and their attributes that they bring to the table. So with this, these matchups that we have, so it's six potential matchups that we're discussing. You got Devin versus Tia Fimo, Devin um, versus Ryan Garcia, Tank versus Devin, Tia Fimo versus Tank. Fimo versus Ryan, Ryan versus Tank. Also with that, you have um, Tank out of Baltimore, 5'5", 67 and a half inch reach. He's 26 years old. Fimo Lopez out of Brooklyn is 5'8", 68 and a half inch reach. He's 23 years old. Devin Haney out of the Bay, San Francisco by way of Las Vegas is 5'8", 71 inch reach, and he's 22 years of age. Ryan, Garcia, King Ryan, as they call him, is out of Los Los Angeles. He's 5'10", 70-inch reach, and he's 22 years old. And some of the things that I thought about as far as some of the strengths and weaknesses that they have, when we talk about Ryan, he has the power, the timing, the speed, a lot of energy, um, things that his weaknesses are. His footwork, chin, sometimes his balance is not the best. Devin. The strengths, he's very slippery, defensive-minded, great balance. And his weakness, his glaring weakness is his uh, lack of power and also the lack of opposition that he's faced so far. Tank, strengths, obviously that power, speed, that uppercut. Um, The weakness for him, I think that opposition is a weakness of his as well. Um, Defense, and then sometimes he gets frustrated at certain points in the fight. And then T.O., power, timing. Sides, you know, those are his strengths, and his weakness is probably his defense, and sometimes he gets a little fatigued during the fight. So you mentioned Tank Davis versus King Ryan. This is a fight that is likely to happen because they're both calling for it. Um, 
Tank's biggest wins were over Pedraza for the IBF belt, Fonseca, Gamboa, Leo Santa Cruz, Ryan, and also Tank is, is a lefty. Ryan is orthodox. Luke Campbell, uh, Fonseca are his biggest wins, and he's probably the most popular out of all of these guys. I should say probably um, with 8 million Instagram followers. That's a lot of people that are interested in this young man. Tank uh, with the devastating power in the left hand, um, the counterpunching of Ryan. And as I mentioned before, we talked about this matchup before, but green and not polished at all. Um, when I look at this fight, I would say it's a 70, nah, I would say this is a 55-45 um, in favor of Tank. I think that when you look at the matchup, you would think that Tank would have the upper hand. But like I said, Tank really, Tank has had opportunities. And let me, let me break this down a little bit. And, you know, it, there's videos where, you know, on YouTube where we discuss some of this information. I even have one about um, 10 reasons why Ryan could defeat Tank and six reasons why Tank would defeat Ryan. But here's my concern about Tank. Think about this. Tank could have fought Loma. He didn't do it. Tank could have fought Tevin Farmer. He still has it. He could have fought Gary Russell. He still has it. And so to me, I have to ask myself why. Like, why have they not put him in those fights against those guys when those guys obviously wanted to fight him? The other thing that I'm concerned about with Tank is every time I've seen him fight, there are stretches where somebody was getting off on Tank. Pedraza was getting off on him. He just didn't have any power. Gamboa was getting off on him. Not that big of a puncher. Leo was getting off on Tank a little bit. I can't say that same thing for any other top fighter in the world where you had three matches where you had guys who were getting off on you. The other thing that concerned me about Tank is, um, Danny, you mentioned this before, as far as does his power transfer up to 135. I'm not so sure. I'm not, I'm not so sure because he was tagging Gamboa a lot. It took him to the 12th round, in the 12th round, where he was able to get a stoppage. But and like I said, Gamboa is not really known to have the greatest chin in the world. Now, and think about historically, like guys like Azuma Nelson, who was a monster at 130 in the past. When he went up to 135, and now obviously he was facing Pernell Whitaker, he didn't look as powerful when he went up there. But at 130, he was, like I say, just knocking guys over. Think about Mayweather when he went up from 130. Remember, he was knocking out everybody at 130. And then once he got up to 135 and above, and that took him some time to get adjusted to moving up into those divisions. But that's when you stop seeing all of those KOs. So I'm conflicted in terms of whether or not he would be able to just go through Ryan like a lot of people think that he would. Um, I think that the later the fight goes, the better it is for Ryan. Um, the other thing that I mentioned before is that Ryan loves those guys who are about five, 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 six, and he places those punches like those counters that he had. Um, he just he doesn't mess with it against those type of fighters. Tank, you know, I, again, I don't want to be long with my with my response, but this fight is a lot closer than what people think. I, I believe. Um, 
But like I said, I think it's 55-45 in favor of Tank because at some point he may be able to catch Ryan. But I heard Ryan say on Teddy Atlas's podcast, he said, it's only one thing Tank can do. He's not going to outbox me. He said, I know. And so what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to train for him to come in and I'll be prepared for it. And like I said, Ryan is a really a, a, a quick learner. And if he's just in that camp, just focusing in on what he needs to do against Tank Davis, I think that it's going to be a close fight. But again, I still have the 55-45 in favor of Tank at this point. You made a lot of great points, Will. Um, some of which I was going to make. I, I would still favor Garcia in this fight. Um, when I look at Tank's attributes, Tank has his last few fights have more or less been showcase fights. He he had no, nobody realistically expected him to beat, or I'm sorry, nobody realistically expected Gamboa to beat him when he moved up. This was supposed to be a showcase fight for him at 135. Um, you know, he fought, no disrespect to Gamboa, but, you know, he was basically on one leg. He fought a sitting duck and a 38-year-old Gamboa, and it took him almost a whole fight, you know, late 12th round to knock him out. And then he had a fight against Santa Cruz where – one could argue that he looked good, but he took a lot of shots. Santa Cruz landed more than Tank did. Santa Cruz just got caught, and Santa Cruz was coming up in weight. Santa Cruz started his career at 118, I believe. Um, so you had two fights that were here recently designed to showcase his skill, whereas you have Garcia, who has been stepping up a competition. Um, you know, people genuinely didn't know if he was going to beat Luke Campbell. But he got some valuable ring experience. He got experience against a southpaw at at 135, and a you know, and a, and a legit contender. And so, um, like you said, well, he's a fast learner. I even though his chin is questionable still, I'm not sure if even when he if and when he gets touched, if if how Tank's power is going to translate over. And so I have a 55, 45. I won't even put a percentage on it, but I, I still favor Garcia, like I said. I'm not sure if I'm going to double down on my on my knockout prediction. That was a little bit uh, radical. But uh, I, I favor Garcia to win, though, for sure. You guys made some uh, excellent points. Um, I will have to still stick with my, uh, my prediction of how this fight would want to go when we uh, – discussed it a few weeks ago. I think that Javante um, Tank Davis at his best, he's going to, he he should be able to beat Ryan Garcia. And, and I say should because the only thing that makes this, this fight really close and and makes it so Garcia should, should win is that Garcia is more dedicated outside the ring than Tank is. You know, Tank seems unfocused. He's never really, seems to be 100%. Maybe this fight could be something that can, you know, lit like a fire under him and get him focused enough that, you know, he could um, be at his best, be 100%. Um, we've seen that that Ryan Garcia – I didn't like the way Ryan Garcia was getting hit by, you know, those straight lefts by um, Luke Campbell. And it, it kept happening over and over. And while Ryan muscled himself and willing himself to a win – uh, he never really – it didn't seem like he was trying to make an adjustment to avoid that left hand. And against Tank, 
uh, move this power doesn't uh, move up. I think one weight class is not going to take, in my opinion, it's not going to take Tank's power away because he has that type of power where it'll, it'll take for him being at least, I would say, at 140 before that, that power starts to dwindle because he has scary power at 130, like drop any one type of power. And he doesn't necessarily has, have to knock Ryan Garcia out. He just has to be able to knock him down, which uh, we've seen that that can happen. I think, um, in my opinion, I think uh, Tank Davis hits harder, a lot harder than Luke Campbell. Um, with that said, this is all dependent on if Tank is 100%, if he trains hard, you know, because I personally, I think, and I, and I don't want to be a downer on his career or be hard on him. I think he's the type of fighter that he's his own worst enemy, and I think that's going to be his downfall. It's himself. He, um, and even though he's 5'5", five, five, I think the height will come into play because Ryan Garcia does have that uh, five-inch uh, height advantage over him. Might even be more than that. Um, but Tank is a, is a is pretty thick guy, though, even though he isn't tall. And he, he has uh, he has a lot of experience um, more now, you know, bigger guys or taller guys. I mean, he it's, I don't think there's anything that he, he never have done before. And also, um, also, I didn't think he looked that small again. When him and Teofimo Lopez sparred together, I don't think he looked that small. I and mean, he didn't look like that weak against Teofimo Lopez, neither, you know. Uh, so I, I think I'll tend to lean, um, lean in favor of tanking this fight. I still love Ryan Garcia, as you said, Will. What's not to like about Ryan Garcia? He's very... Uh, you know, entertaining. He, he he's a he's a light on boxing where he can bring people into boxing that don't normally watch it. Um, I remember I see I saw him on <laughs> Celebrity Family Feud, uh, and this was the Family Feud where they had the boxers on there. Um, they had Amanda Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, and Sean Porter on that one team against some MMA uh, mixed martial artists. So they had those boxers on one team. And they had Ryan Garcia leading the team. He was the, the you know, the person in front, the, the face of that team. And I, I thought that was very impressive that he's the youngest fighter, probably not the most well-known. I mean, Riddick Bowe and Vanna Holyfield are, are more known. Even I would argue Sean Porter may even be more established uh, than Ryan Garcia. But they had confidence in him to lead it, and he did a great job. I mean, he, you, you wouldn't even know that he was a boxer. That's how remarkable he is. Um, so what's not to like about Ryan Garcia? But in this fight, I think I still favor, favor uh, Tank Davis. Do you mind if I um, jump in and say a few other things? Sure. Um, and I have a couple questions for you as well, but or at least one question for you. But um, I just want to add in this, is that as far as Tank is concerned, this is, these are things that I'm, I'm not sure about. I don't know as Tank moves up, I don't know if he's just feasting off of people who are just like naturally smaller than him. Let me give you an example of what I mean. So you remember Adrian Broner at the lower weights, he was feasting on guys who were just too, they couldn't handle him at that weight. But sometimes guys can look great against people that they have all of the advantages over. But once they move up and they're fighting somebody who has skill and they're just 
about the same size naturally as them, they don't perform as well because they're not, I don't see Tank really, I see him not necessarily, like I see guys, and he kind of set Leo up a little bit, but I don't necessarily see that. I see him just working harder to accomplish him, you know, accomplish the knockout where he just steps it up a little bit more than the knockout comes. You're going to find some people once you try to step it up that they can handle that. So then what else do you have? Like what technique? I don't see him really setting guys up like that and setting traps like that, that is going to equate to a higher weight class where it's just, if you just rely on that skill that you have and the size advantage that you have, then that's not going to play out well for you as you move up in weight. And Adrian, like I said, Adrian Brown is a prime example. Like when he was fighting L.O. Eloy Perez and knocking all the guys out, Jason Litz out, he was looking spectacular. It's like, is this the new Mayweather? Is this the new, you know, thing in boxing? But as soon as he moved up, you know, and he was trying to do those same type of tactics, it didn't work. And I remember Antonio Tarver, he was telling Roy Jones that, he didn't say this to Roy Jones, but somebody asked him about how did he know he can beat Roy Jones. He said, every time I saw Roy fight somebody, it was something that they he could exploit. He's like, he never really fought a complete fighter. It's always something I knew he was going to win because he was just more talented than those guys, but they weren't really complete. And so that's how he knew he could defeat them. And I think that that holds true with Tank. Like the guys he's facing right now, like they got a lot of holes in their game or they're just too small. But what's going to happen as you move up? But as far as um, what you said a couple of things. One, just keep in mind, uh, Teofimo uh, Lopez was 16 when they sparred. So he's grown up into a much bigger guy now than he was when they sparred. And then the other thing I was going to ask you, so in your prediction, are you predicting Tank to be in shape or not to be in shape? Because that's part of your prediction. I, th- I think if, if Floyd Mayweather puts Tank in that ring and allows Tank to be in that ring with Ryan Garcia, I think that he will have him 100%. I think he will. I really believe he will have him 100%. Now, I mean, I could be wrong. We don't know. I mean, I'm not the fight. I don't, we, we never know what goes on in the heads of fighters. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really think that for a fight of that magnitude, that, he, that he'll be ready. Now, the one thing that I do, you know, that, 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 that concerns me is that he isn't as like, I want to fight Ryan Garcia as Garcia is. And that and that plays into a lot of how those guys at lightweight react to one another. And also, uh, uh, Adrian Broner, you're correct. You know, when Tank, you're absolutely correct. I don't think Tank, well, we'll get to, you know, the rest of the list, but Tank is going to have a lot of trouble. I just don't think Ryan Garcia is the guy he's going to have that's going to bring be that guy, you know. And I'm not, not saying that Ryan Garcia is a bad fighter or anything like that. I just look at how they match up style-wise. I don't think Garcia, Ryan Garcia, is that guy, especially you know how um, he was taking those left hands. Unless he, if he proves that, fine. But I, I just don't think right now that Garcia is that guy. And you're correct. Once Tank moves up, to, I mean, it depends on how far he moves up. Because remember, um, Adrian Broner's power really didn't go away until he moved up to welterweight. We, he started the same weight class as Tank started at, 130. He, and, you know, he, we saw Adrian Broner at 130. We saw him at 135. He made that jump. We made that two-weight class jump to 147. And really, because like, like Tank, really because he walked around heavy, didn't, you know, wasn't in shape, wasn't trying to get down in weight, was missing weight all the time. 
that was the end of him. You know, <laughs> that was the end of him. And it's it is it's kind of sad too because had he stayed at one thirty five, he might have dominated that weight class. You know, so. No, I think I think with Broner, I think two things. One, Broner wasn't fighting anybody <laughs> at the lower weights. Like you, everybody he fought was somebody he should have beat. But they may have had a title at the time, and he may have collected that title against that guy. It really wasn't that many junior um, lightweights and lightweights were that that good. But he was looking spectacular in the guys he was facing, and so yeah, he, he was supposed to look good against those dudes. Yeah, but I, th- I think the power between Broner and the power between Javante Davis. I'm not saying that Javante Davis is a stronger power. I think they're the way they punch is is, is different. No, I think they're different fighters. They have different styles. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So I think Broner was more a a quick, I set you up fast fighter. You know, he was hurting guys that way, and he did have power. I when I look at um, Javante Davis, I think he has that. That one shot power, that that uh, that uh, Lucas Matisse power, you know, and of course you need more than that. But I, I really do think Tank does have some skills. He just never had a chance to showcase that. And if he doesn't try to, you know, you know, grow in his IQ and things that that nature is going to catch up to him. I mean, we've seen guys who who have. I, you know, like for example, Zab Judah, he has he has good boxing IQ. It's just that he never really progressed, you know, beyond his base level. He never kept learning, you know. So I, I think that's the concern with Javante Davis. But we, of course, when we look at that matchup with Ryan Garcia, I don't think Ryan Garcia, that's the one guy I think that Tank can beat. Mm-hmm. I, I hear what you're saying. Okay. So, um, so we have another you know, matchup, an interesting one. We have Devin Haney, 25 and 0, 15 knockouts versus uh, Tiafimo Lopez, 16 and 0 with 12 knockouts. Um, so how do you guys see this fight playing out? This would be an interesting one. They're the same height at 5'8", five, 5'9", five, area. Uh, Lopez has a slightly lesser reach, 68 and a half inches versus Haney's 71 inch reach. Um, Haney, he's he's good with establishing distance, solid all around fighter. Um, but he hasn't really faced anyone for what I've seen with, with Lopez's power. Um, I would give Lopez the edge due to his experience that he's gained over the past three fights. Um, you know, he's fought a wide range of fighters. He fought Lomachenko, who has master footwork. He fought Richard Kome. He's fought Nakatani, who's a taller fighter at lightweight. And I can just see his power in it, behind his jab uh, kind of changing Haney's game plan, similar to, to how I did for, for Lomachenko. Okay. So I would probably go oh, with Lopez by decision yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting fight. And, and it's... It's one of the saddest things about the 135 division is that there isn't a tournament. Because if there was, I think these two would end up at the end of the tournament. You know, at, at that this would be the final. And I think this is a good fight. I don't I don't think this is probably the most exciting fight out of all of them, but this one will you know provide a little bit of excitement. Um we have Devin Haney, he's a you know master boxer. Um he, he gets a lot of criticism. 
about his power. I don't think he, he doesn't have power. I, th- I think he just doesn't have that hurt you, knock you out power that, that he knocks out, that he's going to stop top opposition. And I don't think that's a, a criticism. I think that's okay because he steps, he throws his punches, you know, good enough that if he if he steps on it, he can. He's almost like um, Andre Ward. Now, Andre Ward used to get the same criticism. But Andre Ward was strong enough if he that he could make things happen if he wanted to and, and if the fighter gave him a chance to. As we saw with the you know second Kovalev fight, you know he was hitting Kovalev with these right hands and hurting Kovalev, you know. So I look at Haney that way. Haney is, is a person that prefers to you know to outbox you, uh, and even Lopez. The misconception was Lopez was just this knockout punch, you know, knockout puncher. But a lot of things he was doing against Lomachenko, I mean, he was boxing Lomachenko. He was really outboxing him in the first six rounds, and and. Um, giving a great lesson on ring generalship, like making you know making his presence known, making Lomachenko know that that danger was there, you know, and, and I think that that works well. That would work well against a small fighter like Lomachenko, but I don't think that's going to work against Devin Haney, who I think naturally, from a natural standpoint, I think Devin Haney is the biggest of all of them. Lopez moving to 140 is probably more so because of nutrition, training, and all that, and not wanting to make the weight. I really think Devin Haney, naturally, when you look at you know muscle tone and, and body fat percentage, is bigger than all of them. And I think he's probably the the, the physically strongest of them. And that, and and let me be clear: it's a difference difference between uh, punching power and physical strength. Uh, I think Devin Haney is probably the physically the strongest of them all. It's going to be hard to just bully him around, similar to Andre Ward. So I think th- even though this is a, a good fight, uh, a close fight in my opinion, uh, I think uh, I, I, I give it about 60-40 uh, Devin Haney. Great matchup here. You know, between the two young guns, you got the Dream Haney versus the takeover Lopez. You know, Lopez is a good boxer puncher. I like that pull Connor that he throws, and he was nailing Kome with that on a consistent basis before he put him to sleep. Um, got that shoulder roll, nice power, you know, stamina is an issue, and then he's not hard to hit. One thing you don't want to do is take to me in the right hands because then you'll get that signature celebration of him doing that backflip. You don't want that to happen to you. I know Devin doesn't want that to happen. But as far as Devin, he's razor sharp, slippery, you know, got, you know, nice size. And, and he's equivalent to Lopez in terms of his height. Like I said, I like a resume as West, um, you know, uh, kind of had your head scratching a little bit in terms of is he as good as what you think? Because you won't know until he gets in there with the other guys. But I think just based on what we know as far as the sparring and whatnot, um, there's legends about him in terms of some of the things he's done against other um, top-level fighters, you know, when he's faced them inside the gym. But will that translate to the actual uh, fight when the, the um, bright lights are on? I think so. I think he's one of those guys that steps it up when he's underneath the uh, big lights. So as far as this fight is concerned, you know, how, how will we know? We don't know until they get in the ring. Uh, I'm like Uvell. I would have had a 60-40 towards Haney. And it's just based on a matchup style. You know what I mean? Style-wise, like I said, I favor Haney. Because I think that some of the things that Tio likes to do, 
I think that Haney will be able to mitigate that. You know, he'll be able to already know going in what T.O. plan is, and he's just quick enough to, you know, not get hit by some of those pull counters and also position himself where he might not even be throwing that punch and then also making him pay if he doesn't, you know, land. And that will make T.O. a little bit more reluctant on throwing some of the shots that he typically throws against his other opponents. The other thing that I, I noticed um, is T.O.'s, you know, he's not really – at first, he was talking about fighting Haney, but it's like he's a little bit more and more reluctant, So, which tells me something. You know what I mean? I hear Devin's father talk about some of their sparring sessions and how they locked him up and all of that. So that might be going through uh, Tia Fimo's head as well. But I just think based on the styles, I think Haney would be a little bit too slippery. And then once you get to about the fifth, sixth round, when my main man Lomachenko picked it up against uh, Tio. I think that T.O. would even be a little bit more fatigued because I think Devin is going to be punching more than uh, Loma did. And then his physical size, as you say, as far as him, um, his physical strengths, I think that will wear T.O. down a little bit too. And like I say, man, T.O., he's not hard to hit, especially once he gets a little fatigued. And I think Devin will be able to take advantage of that. So I got 60-40 in favor of Haney. Anything else you fellas want to address as far as this potential great bout? One thing I do want to say is this. Is if Devin doesn't get this fight right here against T.O., he might be blackballed out of fighting any of them guys. You know what I'm saying? I know that Ryan seems to be the most um, interested in a, in a fight. He just wants Tank right now because he thinks that's the biggest fight, and he always want, wanted Tank. But I think if Ryan gets Tank, I can see him eventually or after the win, he may even start thinking about bigger and better things than um, fighting Haney. And then if Tank beats Ryan, I don't see him fighting Haney. And I think he would either – he'll find somebody else to fight. I'm not even sure he would fight um, Teofimo Lopez. But all I'm saying, saying all I have to say, I just think, Devin, he better get that Lopez fight and he better win that fight because then he'll have something to kind of force those other guys to fight him. If you guys have anything else, we got another potential match between Tank and Devin. Who do you guys like in yeah. this fight? This fight is simply Devin Haney. <laughs> for many, many reasons. I think this is one of the worst matchups for uh, Tank Davis on his list. And it's interesting, um, and a lot and it, from a from a physical standpoint and a, even a mental standpoint, um, because like like we said earlier, all these guys have you know sparred with one another, and these two have sparred, and and I know sparring is just sparring, we, we all know that, but they're sparring, and then there's doghouse sparring, that Floyd Mayweather is sparring in the Mayweather gym, where it's not just. You know, I'm learning something. I'm working on my jab sparring, or I'm working on this, or working on that. Dog, if you ever seen doghouse <laughs> rules sparring, it, it, it's sparring to you drop, sparring to somebody quit. And it's interesting because I look at the facts. I look at what. Well, it's hard to look at the facts when it comes to, to what happened in the sparring session between these two. But I listen to what they say. You know. Um, Devin Haney says this was doghouse rule sparring 
you know, I didn't quit. Javante Davis said, well, you don't win in sparring, it's just sparring, which is true. And then uh, Javante Davis recently said that, you know, I, I, you know, I knocked him out in sparring, or we sparred twice, and I, I heard him once, and I knocked him out. Now, you know, I've seen the sparring section. You know, I, I saw what happened in the sparring section. I didn't see the end, but I, I seen how they match up. Out of all the sparring, the interesting thing about it is this: the one sparring that doesn't that you can't find anymore. I saw this this sparring once, and now it's taken down. And I don't think it's Devin Haney because you know. We, we know how Tank feels about sparring when it comes to Ivan Redcatch and all these other guys he's sparred with. But that's the one that they decide to take down. And I, th- I believe they took that down for a reason. Now, how that fight plays out, I think this is a fight where Devin Haney can demonstrate that, you know, he can take Tank's punches. This will show if he can or can't. If he, if he can take Javante Davis' punches, Tank is in trouble because – Haney is someone who's bigger, stronger, can muscle uh, Javante around. He's more active. Uh, we, we've seen, you know, Tank kind of – sometimes Tanks will, will punch a lot when he has the upper hand, but sometimes he'll just sit back and wait for you to make a mistake. And Devin Haney is one of those fighters. If he can put it on you, he will put it on you, and he will outmuscle you. And I think uh, Devin Haney, this will be his coming out party. He will outmuscle Tank. There's a reason why – Javante Davis doesn't really talk a lot about fighting uh, Devin Haney, and I think this is it. I think uh, Devin Haney outboxes Javante Davis <laughs> probably 117 to 111. That's my prediction. All right. In this fight, I think that it's just a matchup, the bad matchup for Tank. And just as a rule of thumb, typically for me, when you have elite boxers going against elite punchers, a lot of times the elite boxer is going to win that matchup. It's like rock, paper, scissors. You know what I mean? Like if you think about those fights, slick boxers against power punchers, the slick boxer typically wins those pretty much easy. It's like the matador and bull. You know what I mean? It's, it's the same thing. Um, and Tank, again, I think Tank, he did himself a disservice by not taking fights like Tevin Farmer not taking the Gary Russell fight, because I think that will prepare him more for when he fights a fighter like Devin Haney. I'm talking about maybe he sparred against, you know, guys like that before. I mean, like you say, he sparred Haney, but I'm saying like in an actual fight, you know, so you can learn something from that. And he didn't do that, you know, um, he didn't do that groundwork first. So I think that's even going to put him more at a disadvantage. And as I stated before, Tank gets frustrated. All of the big fights I've seen him fight, at certain points in that fight, he got frustrated and he just up his ante. But those guys were not, they didn't have the ability to take advantage of that. And I know that Devin, I think all these guys understand that. And that's why Ryan is so gung-ho on trying to fight him. I think that, you know, Devin is will be licking his chops. Even Gary Russell, he sees that. You can see it. And so they know that they can take advantage of it. And Floyd, he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to put him in with him. But he knows that Tank has that attribute that most boxing fans like. They like to see the knockout. So let me put him in with guys where he can, you know, look good and, you know, we can make great money and the attention is going to be on that. But it's a certain holes in this game. And I think that Devin will take advantage of those holes. As he gets frustrated, he's going to put something on him. Um, I have this like a 70-30 in favor of Haney. 
Yeah, you guys said pretty much most of what I would have said. Um, terrible matchup for, for Tank here. I would go Haney. I would probably say 70-30 Haney as well. I'll just keep it pretty brief and just keep it there. But moving forward, we have a potential Teofimo Lopez versus Ryan uh, Garcia matchup. This is another one. Two. Uh, th- these two fights are the ones I would have, like, the biggest gap between who will win. I don't like this matchup for Ryan Garcia, and I'm going to tell you why. I think Teo obviously is more seasoned. Um, Teo does a better job of setting up his power shots. Like I said, he has that pull counter the shoulder roll, but he's walking you into something heavy. Um, and it's more of a method to his madness in terms of his fighting style. Now, Ryan is more, um, it's just timing and it's just instincts. You know, if you do something, then it's going to, it's like um, Danny Garcia with the left hand, because it's always going to come and he's mastered that. Now, that trick right there could work against Teal. It would just depend on who lands first. But, you know, Teal is big and powerful. Um, as I stated, Teal is more so like a 140-pound fighter who just can make 135. And I think that uh, – now, if it goes a little bit longer, like Ryan, Ryan is just so flat-footed, <laughs> you know, I don't know if he would be able to make it to the point in which he can take advantage of Teal as he gets more and more fatigued. But – Saying that to say, just based on matchups and styles and how seized the T.O. is, I would say 75-35, I would favor T.O. in this matchup. I think with a good amount of these matchups, and especially this one, timing is of the essence. So, because realistically, right, Garcia just got his first real test. But at the same time, realistically, we I could imagine that Lopez has one, maybe two, three tops fights at uh, left at 135. So, so you know, so a lot of this depends on when they were to fight each other. Uh, more so for Garcia's sake, because it's like, what skills could he develop during in between the fights, in between now and the time that they would actually fight? But if we're going off of right now, if they were to fight right today, um, I would agree. Um, you know, Garcia's chin is still a question mark. He has power, but uh, you know, I, I believe that it could be withstood, especially by bigger lightweights such as Gar, such as Lopez. You know, at, at this point in time, though, there's just too many holes in Garcia's defense, um, and you know, he'd be in danger. I would, I would also, mm, I would go seventy thirty. Yeah, you guys brought uh, up some great points. Um, it's interesting. I, I think that Lopez does win this. But at the same time, I think Lopez probably stops him. But until he does that, I, I think this fight is going to be close up to that point. Um, while Gar- Ryan Garcia does have those holes, and those holes in his, in his defense and stuff is going to play into Lopez. Lopez also, while season. You know, he can be hit. He's not, you know, a defense wizard. Now he does – he boxes well and he moves well. And I think the difference is he he has better footwork than Ryan Garcia. Um, but also Ryan Garcia has some decent speed also. He has speed. He has a little bit of pop. You know, we've seen him hurt guys. Um, 
and and I based some of that off of watching what happened uh, in the fight between Lopez and Lomachenko, the second half of the fight where uh, Lomachenko was uh, catching with some good left hand shots. Now, now, of course, Lomachenko's a softball, and he's and you know he had to use footwork to get there. But that's mainly because of his lack of reach and size, which. Ryan doesn't have a lack of uh, that big lack of reach when it comes to Lopez. He actually has a reach advantage. So I think uh, Lopez is going to struggle a little bit with that with a fighter who has that length and, you know, knows how to use it. You know, this is not Richard, you know, Comey, you know, who likes to, you know, likes to bang. Uh, I think Garcia is going to use his speed against him. And but his downfall will be he's not going to, you know, move as well as he should unless he change, works on his footwork. So I think this is going to be a barn burner, probably one of the most exciting fights on this list. But I think uh, Teofimo Lopez eventually stops him. Now we move to our next fight, uh, continuing with uh, Teofimo Lopez. Now we have Teofimo Lopez versus Javante Tank Davis. Now how do you guys see this fight going? I don't think this is a good matchup for Tank either, to be honest with you. Um, uh, you know, so Tank is, again, we still don't know where his power stands. And we don't know how he would react to Lopez's power. Now, if if Tank caught the same amount of shots from from Lopez that he was catching from Santa Cruz, He's gonna be in trouble. Um, I just think that out of their attributes and where they both are right now, uh, I, I do think Tank would be focused on this fight. I think he would make weight. I think he would be in shape. But you know, but again, this is another fight where he had done himself a disservice by not fighting your your farmers and your and your Gary Russells up to this point. And I think, go back uh, and forth on this fight a lot. But one thing is for certain. Teofimo Lopez won a mental battle without even fighting a mental battle. And, and a lot of this was done by taking the Lomachenko fight and winning that fight. A fight that it seemed that Javante Davis and his people were kind of iffy on. And, and, and Javante Davis, it's interesting that he's in this match in, in these matchups because he's probably been pro longer than all of them. And he won. He probably has been a champion longer than all of them. So a lot of these fights, Javante Davis should have fought already. You know, especially, especially when it comes to like Kiefer Lopez getting that shot against Lomachenko. We know um, Lomachenko didn't really want to fight Devin Haney, but one of the guys he did want to fight was Javante Tank Davis. And we saw that Mayweather's people, you know, Javante's people, you know, Mayweather Productions and Al Heyman on them. They kind of wasn't keen on that idea you know, of, of putting Tank in. And at first you could say, well, you know, maybe it's a promotional thing. But when you look at, like, even with this list, you know, it's people still is not keen on, on putting him in the ring with a lot of these guys. So I think this fight, um, Tiafimo Lopez, um, if, if, if Javante Davis can't hurt Tiafimo Lopez, this fight's over. It, that, that's it. Because I, I can't, I'm not sure if he, he outboxes uh, Lopez. Kind of like Haney is a bad matchup, but I think Haney is a worse matchup for Tank. But this fight could be more uh, brutal because 
on Tank because Lopez is going to – I can see Lopez punishing him. Um, now, I do think this is going to be an exciting fight. Um, I, I think Tank Davis is going to land some leather on Lopez, and it's, it's going to be exciting for how long it lasts. But, again, a lot is, is dependent on how Lopez feels after taking, you know, uh, Devontae Davis's punches. And, of course, it's, 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 it's going to be a noticeable, noticeable uh, size advantage for Lopez. Um, so I, I see uh, Tiafimo Lopez outworking Tank. Um, if Tank, you know, that's if Tank is trained. If he's not, I see him getting tired and Lopez stopping him late because Lopez comes in shape. Um, he, he he has decent stamina. We saw that, you know, in the Lomachico fight, he kind of eased off the pedal. But I think it was more so uh, a tribute to Lomachico trying to adjust and, and try to bring it to him. And Lopez kind of weathered that storm and fight through it so he can win. I don't think it was mostly – I don't think it was fatigue. So I, I think uh, Davis gets tired and Lopez stops him. One thing I, I, I think that – I don't think we will have to worry about Tank getting in shape for any of these guys because his antennas are going to be up, and he knows it. He knows that it's a lot at stake when you fight these young fighters, um, these young hungry fighters. So you know, typically when Tank doesn't make weight and things like that, it's like he's it's, he's like a ten to one favorite or a fifteen to one favorite, Gamboa and some of the other guys because. Those are some of the toughest fights that he had as far as names as Gamble and Santa Cruz. And he was even favorite, you know, um, against those guys, like high, like, you know what I'm saying, like 15 and one and all of that type of stuff. So, again, you know, they shouldn't do it, but fighters typically, when they don't make weight, it's because it's the motivation of trying to get up for the opponent that they have. I'm not making an excuse for them, but I can't see him missing weight for one of these guys or not or taking um not taking it serious against one of these guys and the reason why i say that another reason why i say that is because he's making 130 now because those guys are there 135 and they're making a name for themselves so now all of a sudden he that's motivating him to make 130 because he can't make the excuse that i should be fighting at 130 and i'm not fighting at 135 i can't make 130 so i have to make weight because that'll look bad then why you just don't fight at 135 if you can't make 130. so that's motivating him to get under the um junior lightweight um weight limit so but in this matchup again to i think he's even more seasoned than tank now because of the fights with Komei, the fights with Loma, the fights with Nakatani. Like, he's taking on still competition. You know what I mean? Um, I can't see Tank beating somebody. Like, at this point, I can't picture him fighting someone his size or bigger and being able to beat them because I haven't seen him do that. I've seen him fight guys who are smaller than him or even with Gamboa, Gamboa was taking those punches really well because it seemed like they were around the same size, you know, and he was eating some of those shots. So with Tio, I think in this matchup, our favorite Tio, the only chance that I'm going to give Tank is this, is once Tio gets fatigued and tired in the middle rounds. And he may be able to get his second win like he did against Loma, but that's the time where it would be kind of spooky for Tio is in those moments. But – I think the fact that he's fighting 
this type of competition that he's facing, I think in those moments when he does begin to get fatigued, he won't show it as much because he, like the Loma fight, that'll help him know what it is I need to do in those moments. And then against Tank, um, maybe he'll, he just won't show it. That's, that's what, like, as you get more seasoned in your career, that's what typically happens. And that's why you want to go against stiff competition so you can be prepared after you go through something and you can make the adjustments to the next uh, outing. And I think he will be able to do that. Um, I see this either as a stoppage for Lopez or I see him um, getting a clear-cut decision. So for me, I have this as like a 65-35 um, 65-35 in favor of Tiafimo Lopez. Now, our last bout is another or the last potential matchup that we can possibly see. And these guys um, were three and three against each other in the amateurs. And that matchup would be Devin the Dream Haney versus Ryan King, Ryan Garcia. What do you guys think about this potential matchup? Yeah, I like this matchup. Um, they know each other. It's funny because you know they're they're also you know they they're probably you know close or friends you know outside the ring they're, they're cool I'm not saying they're close friends but they're cool you know they they came up in the amateurs together like you said they fought as amateurs and Ryan Garcia said I'll fight Devin Haney after Tank so um, there's no uh, apprehension on either side of this fight happening so there isn't a lot of like um, mental advantage. Is an interesting fight. I, I think um, Haney wins this. He may he may struggle with with Ryan Garcia because of the size factor. I think Garcia is the only one on his list who has like a, a a height advantage over Devin Haney and possibly a reach advantage. Um, and of course, you know Garcia has the speed and the power factor. I think Devin Haney is the better boxer. I think he's developed. Um, a little, a little better as far as skill wise. Garcia has developed his, you know, as far as speed and power. Uh, but Devin Haney is fast, also. He just doesn't have the power, of Ryan Garcia. Um, but I think Devin Haney, even even though I have Devin Haney winning this fight, I think this this fight will will make Garcia. This could make Garcia to a, a star, and this is why he probably won't get stopped in this fight. And this will prove. See Ryan Garcia. You know we, we see him. He's he's a, he, has, he has flashy punches. You know, pretty boy image. But I think underneath that, I think is a real fighter in that. And I think someone like Devin Haney is going to bring it out because eventually those combinations are going to get thrown. I think it's going to. It might even end up being a, a ugly fight where you know it's a physical strength that's being used. And I, I think Devin Haney is, is probably one of the gutsiest fighters. You know, on his lips as far as style, and I think he'll he can bring that out of Garcia. But ultimately, I think he's gonna you know uh, use his boxing skin to, boxing skills to beat Ryan Garcia. But this is this is probably one of the fights I would want to see on his list. It's, it's a very interesting fight. Um, I think there are two. I think this fight is probably the most likely to happen out of all these fights because um, who knows if Ryan Garcia gets Tank Davis. But I think he doesn't. He will get Devin Haney, and Devin Haney is willing to make the fight happen. I think this fight is probably going to happen first, and I think this fight is going to make both these guys stars. And the rest of these guys on the list might be jealous of it. 
That's my prediction. So Devin Haney, 60-40. Hey, so I love all of these fights, man. I hope that they um, decide to go ahead and and fight each other. You know, they don't even necessarily have to fight any other other guys like Fortuna or anybody like that. Just go ahead, each fight that you have for the next, you know, two years or so, um, be against one another. You know what I mean? That'll make the sport, you know, that'll put the sport back on the map in terms of it being up there with the other major sports that we have. Because the interest is there. As far as the fight is concerned, um, I think this would be an extension of what you saw in the amateurs. You know, like I said, they were three and three against each other. They styles mesh well. I like I liken this to like um, Shane Mosley versus Oscar De La Hoya. I think this would be a similar fight. Um, yes, I was just thinking that. I just had to bring that. <laughs> both of these guys um, out. You know, out of the four guys, these guys are just a bundle of energy. If you see them. After the fight, a lot of times they are conducting themselves like they didn't have a fight. Like they had so much energy that they could continue to fight, you know, if they had to fight uh, on or another 12 rounds that they could possibly do it. Um, I think that when I think about it, I think Devin will be able to avoid Ryan's counters because he's just that quick. You know, I think he'll make Ryan miss more than what Ryan's used to. But I also think that he, uh, meaning Ryan, will throw more punches than Devin. So it would end up being a situation where Devin will have more punches landed. So it'll be close. So what do you do? You Do you favor the guy who brought the fight but missed more? Or the other guy, it, it'll look like he like Devin's been outworked, but when you look at the punch stat, it's going to be where he had, he was more efficient with his punches. So do you lean towards the guy who, who landed more but didn't throw as much or the guy who appeared to be outworking the other guy? So I think it's going to be a close fight. I think it's like a 55-45 in favor of Devin, um, but I could see it going either way. Out of these fights, this is one of the ones I probably want to see the most. Um, I really hope it goes down. You know, Haney doesn't have the knockout power. Uh, as some of the other elites do that we're talking about. Um, he's a very skilled fighter. There's another one that also depends on when they were to fight each other. Um, I could... I, I'm not going to reiterate some of the points you guys made because they were very good ones. I'll just give my prediction. I could see Haney edging this one out, but I could also see him winning this one according to the eyes. And the judges ruling in favor of Garcia. So that's pretty close. I, I would say like but yeah, all I would of these are great like matchups, man. Hopefully this is something that we're able to see um in the near for that future. Reason. And hopefully Tank and Ryan can um their teams can iron out the details for the contracts and we can, you know, have that fight because that that, that fight is, is gonna draw a lot of interest and it already is. You know, if you see social media on social media, like different posts. That, that gets a lot of attention and a lot of comments and a lot of, um, you know, other things. It's just that's something that people are interested in. I think out of these fighters, those they are probably – I know Ryan is. Tank, is. Tank is the second, you know, most popular out of those guys. So, make for a huge matchup. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap things up? 
I just hope these fights happen. Uh, I, personally, I don't think we're going to get all of them. I think we will get some of them. Um, because even when you look at the past, um, for example, I compare. I, I like comparing this group to uh, De La Hoya, Mosley, Trinidad, and uh, I Corte. Uh, and you can even throw uh, Fernando Vargas in there. Now, um, it was while, while a lot of we saw we got a lot of great fights out of that group. We didn't all, we didn't see Mosey versus Corte or Mosey versus Trinidad. You know, a lot of those fights. You know, some of those fights just got missed by a hair, or they had a, a possibility of happening. But still, we were fulfilled. We know where these. At the end of the day, we knew where these guys still one another. You know. Um, and I think we, with the, hopefully we see most of these matchups at lightweight that we at least know where these guys stand. <laughs> so it's it's a great weight class. I'm I'm, I'm excited for the next two years. Hopefully they don't uh, let me down. Yeah, and, and the other thing too is really, you know, the welterweights they took a long time to kind of cook up, and far as people fight each other, and don't wait too long for these fights. Don't overcook this food. You know what I'm saying? And then eventually it's to the point where it's, it's not edible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you don't even really want it anymore. It's like I had a taste for it at that particular moment, but now I got a taste for something else. It could be something else that comes down the pipe. And that's kind of like the world's ways. Like we didn't never got the, the Thurman and uh, Spence fight, and then we still waiting on the Spence and Crawford fight. Like you, you come on, man, like cook it up. Let's go ahead, let's eat. Let's see this these fights. Now, if the welterweights handled their business the way they were supposed to, I wouldn't really mind these guys waiting. Like, Ryan is really like a year away from supposed to be able to fight these guys, but he's so much, he's so interested, and he's such a wild card because he still, even though he lacks certain skills, he has certain skills that he's always going to be in a fight, you know, with that timing that he has and with that power that he has that, you can never count them out. And so that's the wild card. Then the other guys are really green too, you know. And the one thing I did want to say too, Bill, is that you mentioned that Tank Davis, you know, he's been a pro the longest, you know, obviously because he's the oldest out of all of them. But if you think about it, Tank basically has been champion as long as those guys have been in the pros. <laughs> so you would think that he would have more, you know, names on his resume, but he does not. You know, so that's something else to you know take into consideration. But I don't want this again; these uh, episodes to go on longer than they have to. But I think that was really good dialogue and conversation that we had today. Really appreciate you, fellas, because you know maybe it's the fact that we didn't have an episode last week that we had a lot that we wanted to get out. You know, in the today. But I appreciate you. Um, the other thing is make sure you catch us on YouTube. I'm gonna try to put as many segments as I can. Um, I don't like to go no longer than five to six minutes on YouTube. So some of the segments I may not put on there. I just don't like to go over that limit. But it's going to be some other things that are going to be on Facebook. But just check us out. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Um, I have nothing else. Have a great Monday. Peace.